Welcome back. It's the Sunday Puncher Podcast with um, a dynamic, I think, that's going to work a little better than the Teddy Atlas and Andre Ward pairing this past Saturday. Now, before we start this podcast, welcome back, Fred. You're back on the podcast. This is three weeks straight, I believe. Popular and demand. By popular demand. Um, I didn't think that was going to happen, but you know, you, you're a lot more tame on the podcast than you are in the chat room. Now, if you don't know what we're talking about, we have a chat room. There's you know a ton of people in there. And uh, our friend Fred here is one of the more controversial figures, um, constantly posting nude pictures. Uh, <laughs> that's not me. That's, I could that's have the swore, Australian. <laughs> I could have swore I saw that it was you, but I have never posted a Roy Jones picture in my life. Okay, I, uh, I don't know. Um, but if you want to get in on that fun, you know, just just <laughs> let me know. I'll invite you. But uh, here's the thing. We're, this is the Mayweather-McGregor episode. We're going to touch on some other subjects. We cannot not talk about Terrence Crawford. But I do want to make one, I guess, announcement first. And that is that we're not taking any hardline stances on this episode. If you want that, you know, we're not going to... If you want to hear us talk about how Conor McGregor has no chance, go listen to another bot boxing podcast. That's not what we're going to do. We're also not going to talk about the chances that McGregor has and why he's a different beast because he's from that. That's not what we're going to do. That's like first takes stuff. That's Fox News. That's not what we're doing. We're going to look at where the truth actually lies here. And it's usually somewhere in the middle. And look, everyone's going to have to spend a lot of money to watch this fight or you're going to, you know, suffer watching a stream that lags and uh like all the other boxing writers so (laughs) (laughs) um so let's enjoy it all right that this is going to be a fun podcast you know if we're gonna if we have to do this let's let's have fun at least so anyway let's talk about terrence crawford terrence crawford um destroyed julius and dongo i mean it wasn't even close and uh here's the thing that i was thinking about so I've, I, I spent Sunday just thinking about how is Crawford so good? And, and it's not just he's a counterpuncher. It's not just that he neutralizes opponents. There's something different that Terrence Crawford does that isn't what Andre Ward does. It's not what Bernard Hopkins did. And it's not even what Floyd does. So what is it with Crawford? And, and I think I figured it out. So this is what I think Crawford does and what he's special at i think crawford is a kind of fighter that basically creates a crisis for his opponent now how does he do that so he starts to figure out what their game plan is what they're trying to do like what they like it's almost like he knows and he sorts out in the ring what that person needs to do in order to execute the rest of their game plan and crawford quickly starts taking those away and he's closing doors on these guys and every fighter that he gets in the ring with starts to panic by the end of the first or second round when they realize, wow, I, I can't do anything. So in this fight, in Dongo's, um, his, he, he was trying to use his reach and punch from long range, and he was either going to the body or the head, but he was coming with these long looping shots. And, and Crawford quickly started to step back. Being the smaller guy, he was way out of range, and then he would step back and then jump into range. And very quickly, Ndongo abandoned everything. I mean, a jab might have worked out for him, but he wouldn't throw it because he knew there was no hope. And by the second round, Ndongo's just throwing haymakers. And that's not what you usually expect to see from a guy who's 
proclaimed as the number two in a division. And when Crawford has these guys fighting panicked, it's all it's all downhill. There's, it's just a matter of when Crawford's going to stop you because there's no way to fight that way. You're burning energy. You, you're getting countered every single time you move. I mean, and, and then Crawford, just to make everything worse, is like a vicious fighter. And so that that's what I can see that Crawford is doing that is just on, a, on another level from everyone else in the sport. What do you think about that? Do you think I'm well, on to something? <laughs> yeah, well, kind of. I think, I think all the other fighters you mentioned sort of have the same process, but Crawford just seems to be a lot more violent about uh, stopping the other guy's plan. Like, like you said, Dongo was using looping shots, and Crawford just went straight at him. Like he just he just cut him off, and then and Dongo was like he did. He did panic. He, just, I, I don't know. I was never really that big on Dongo. I thought he had a nice story and everything, but I I wasn't viewing this as a fight between eagles. I just thought Bud was just going to beat him up, and that's what happened. But yeah, he's he's very good at at, at spotting opponents. Uh, if we go to the Gamboa fight, that one seemed to be like he was just letting Gamboa gas out you know like he he wasn't too concerned about taking the fight right to him in that one in this fight he just he just saw a doggo he could saw what to do against him and he just he just didn't waste time i mean we'd heard for a long time and we've even seen it that uh gamboa is a four-round fighter yeah and it was blatantly obvious in the in the crawford fight and you're you're right. There's like a violence to Crawford that you see with no other fighter. I mean, no one does, no one has intense stare downs the way Crawford does. And um, you know when he when he's got these guys panicked, it's just like it's it's target practice for him. And um, there, I I can't think of a fighter who's who's this good since Floyd when he was like at 135. Can you? Uh no, yeah, and that's and that's what you're getting, and of course, because now he's getting ready to move up, and this is what you usually see from these guys when when they start to refine their like starting weight division or like very close to their perfect weight or like like beginning weight, you start to see them just just tear guys apart like the other competition, like as you say with Floyd, if you go back at his early fights, he was just he was walking through these guys that are supposed to be the top guys in the division, he he was making it look simple. And that's, I think, where Crawford's at. So he's ready. And he said he's ready to move up to 147, which I think might give him some more plans. But it'll be interesting to see how he carries over because I think 147, there's a lot of guys like Spence Thurman that are have the same size advantage that he's walking around with at 140. So, Well, let's, let's be real here, okay? What sure. are the odds that he actually fights Spence and Thurman anytime well, soon? <laughs> yeah, I was going to put that condition in there because, you know, it, it, but it it depends, you know. Bob might be a bit more. I don't know, but I guess yeah. Uh, no, I think he might be a bit more willing to do deals. But it's the thing. Well, well how long is he going to run this ESPN thing? How long is Crawford and those guys tied to it? Because you're not going to find Spence and Thurman on ESPN again. I don't think. I, th- I think Showtime would have too much to offer them compared to whatever the plan is with ESPN but there's also yeah with top rank right these and fight top rank fighters so. and they can put put them on CBS or NBC and both guys have had success fighting on network TV uh, more success than anyone else actually um, and here's the other thing Crawford got these fights with a Molina with a Diaz with an Ndongo because he ran out of top rank opponents who Bob thought were ready 
to fight Crawford. And so he had to go elsewhere to find a, an opponent. And I think at 147, there are guys. There's a Jesse Vargas out there. There is a Mike Alvarado. I mean, there are welterweight uh, either prospects or contenders that top rank has that they can feed Crawford before they need to go uh, look elsewhere for an opponent. Now, I think Crawford um, himself might get a little frustrated and demand and actually get a fight against you know someone like Thurman or Spence um, at some point. And I'm pretty sure Aram will give in to him because, I mean, who wouldn't give in to, to, to Crawford? I'm not trying to cross him. Yeah, and it's going to be the money. The money will be there for a Thurman Crawford fight for sure. You know, like, of course, like, th- that's what I was thinking before. Like, who does Bob God at 147 now? You know, Bradley's gone. Pacquiao's not going to go anywhere near Crawford. So you got, uh, I think, Jesse Vargas re-signed with top rank, or at least he was talking about it. And then you got Al- Alvarado, which is going to be a horrible beating, but it's, <laughs> you know, he's a top rank, so Bob's going to make the fight. Uh, how do you feel? Um, oh, we forgot about Pacquiao and Horn. But how do you feel about Crawford versus Alvarado? How do I feel? I feel he shouldn't be <laughs> sanctioned. <laughs> do you think that fight would be more competitive competitive than Mayweather-McGregor? <laughs> I don't know. That's actually an interesting question because at least Alvarado is a boxer and he's, he's familiar with what's going to happen. But I think... I think uh, yes, he is a bit of pop. Yeah, yeah. well, Alvarado, I don't know. It depends. He can survive, but I think Crawford is just going to beat him. What, badly. <laughs> if you had to pick someone to beat Crawford, who would you pick? Or at uh, least that gave you the best chance. Like you had to bet all your money on one boxer to beat box uh, to beat Crawford, and basically you either bet on a boxer or you know I'm taking your money or Crawford's going to take it. So who are you betting on? If at 147. Yeah, or at uh, 140. If you you really think you know Lucas Matisse can do it. <laughs> No, I'd always pick Spence. I'm riding with Spence forever. Really? Gets, oh yeah, because I think er- Errol Spence is big. He's he's like I don't he know, he's probably fights in the 160 or something or higher. He comes into the ring at, and you know that's that's where uh, Crawford like I think he comes in at 154. So there's a lot of advantages to having that kind of size over some of your opponents, and that's that's what he's facing against a guy like Spence. And I think Spence is he's, he's pretty sharp. He can he can pick up a lot of a. Uh, what Crawford's adjusting on him. I think that'd be a good fight. I, I, I still pick Crawford. I don't think I pick anybody over Crawford at this point. And, and yeah. here's my other case. And, you know, I, I want to jump off this topic so we can spend uh, an appropriate amount of time on uh, a silly topic about Mayweather McGregor that I kind of researched today. But anyway, um, uh, here's my case for Crawford pound for pound number one. Okay, so Andre Ward... That's that's you know the clear pound for pound number one fighter in the sport right now. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> I, if I you're don't going like to entertain the pound for, I get it. If you're going to entertain I, this I, discussion, though. Yeah, but I think it's silly pound for pound. I, I didn't I don't know. ask you for your opinion on whether pound for pound is a legitimate <laughs> argument. I just said if you know, assume that it's a relevant conversation and people love to discuss this. Okay, but just assuming that you're just going to give people that that conversation, wouldn't Andre Ward be like the consensus? Pound for pound number one. Yes. Okay, good. Or Thank Lomachenko. You. Jesus just Christ. Just an Teddy, <laughs> Teddy Atlas. <laughs> okay, so. He's from Cuba too, so I'm putting him number one. Oh, yeah, well. Um, 
No, so sorry, anyway, so Andre Ward fights Sergey Kovalev, the number two guy at, well, actually, technically, Ward wasn't even number one. He was number one at 168, moves up to 175, but Kovalev was the recognized number one. So in the two fights that Ward had with Kovalev, they were pretty close. He almost lost the first one, and the second one was, while far more in Ward's favor, it was still a tough fight. So that's indisputable, right? Now, my argument for Crawford is that he's fought two guys at 140 that were alleged number two guys. And each and each guy that he fought, he wiped the floor with them. Like he legitimately, legitimately made them look ordinary. Now, you could argue that that's because those guys were ordinary. But if you were to be a little bit optimistic, you say that that's how good Crawford is. He reduced these guys to nothing. And because he was able to do that with facing similar opposition that Ward faced against Kovlov, meaning top-rated guy in their division, he's obviously the better fighter. Does that uh, does that check out? Uh, well, with Ward, I'd still keep him above because we've seen Ward in trouble and get out, and I don't think we've ever seen Crawford in trouble. Like I said, with that Gamboa fight, you know, in even a, though in Max a little was, bit of trouble. Yeah, but Max was blowing it up. More trouble. I, I I I think Crawford was just waiting, you know, and I, I think in all of his fights, he's just waiting. For the guy to sort of gas out or to show what exactly he's looking for to beat him up. I don't think he's really been in trouble. And I think Andre Ward's been in trouble in a lot of fights and he's shown that he can pull it out. But I think I think he's more refined. Uh, like, I think Ward's got a bit more in his toolbox. Like, Crawford is, he's, he's really good, I think. But I don't think we've seen a lot of his, his the, what he can do yet. Fully. Like adversity and stuff like that? Well, just, yeah. And like, and like how, does, how does he happen when someone is bigger than him? Like, like uh, I think that's what we'll see at 147 because now he's getting into he's getting into guys who are pretty much his uh, his size, you know. So I, I think we'll see a lot more out of him what he could do. But like I said, the, the pound for pound is just I, don't know. It's, I know it's, it's like, a ridiculous. It's, like your, it's ridiculous. What's your favorite color? You know, it's like that's a you know, brown. Blue's better than yeah, exactly. It's, like, <laughs> it's nonsense. Uh, I, I know I people thought... love it, but I, I've never understood it because it's 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 just goofy. It's goofy like popularity contest and it's usually about five years out of date too like, uh, yep. pacquiao was still up there on the pound for pound list come on people are still putting bradley on their list he retired <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there you go but but you know what's worse modern day pound for pound or all-time great pound for pound <laughs> oh it's always been terrible you know i, I think i the, it, it's been around like a lot of people think it started with sugar ray robinson but it didn't it started since the 1900s because people all people cared about were heavyweights and so it was like the best of the small men. They were just trying to get attention for the fights because no one cared about anything except heavyweights. Are you trying to say that no one cares about Harry Greb? Uh, <laughs> we are not going to go down this route. But just <laughs> exactly, know that it's funny it. that people... Um, and well, that, how, how can anyone be a fan of Harry Greb? Like anyone that's under the age of 130 years old that <laughs> never saw him fight. It's like I know you can appreciate his accomplishments on paper. But all these guys are, there's no context to their fights, you know? Right. Well, like, I mean, it's hard to be a fan of somebody if you've never seen them fight. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to watch an out of speed film? Oh, look at it. He's brilliant. It's, God, it's, you know, I read a story that it was good. And now I'm going to say he's the best ever. It's, it's, I, I, I've never understood nostalgia that much in boxing. I think people should be fans of the fighters they can actually go and watch and not know the end to. Like I, I could say, oh, I could be a big Roberto Duran fan because I know how all his fights ended. So I, I can, you know, I could become an and expert quitting. on. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And, well, there's a, there's an important thing, you know, like Roberto Duran. A lot of people praise him now. He quit, you know, after the no mossing. People goofed on him. Like he was a big joke. He was a complete joke. And people said he was a bomb and he quit and blah blah blah. And like he he recovered a bit more. But you see now with the, people to praise him because everyone who remembers how viciously he was attacked is either gone from the sport or they you know they just don't talk about it anymore you know so now you got these young younger people that Roberto Duran yeah he's a great fighter but people just they used to goof on him Ali everyone made fun of Ali you know in his Parkinson's it's boxing that's the same just wildly inappropriate (laughs) yeah but that's boxing you know they're the same viciousness they'll they'll direct towards Mayweather they direct it towards every great fighter like this isn't a new thing towards Mayweather well, let, since we're getting on to Mayweather, let's get on to there. So yeah. Mayweather versus McGregor this weekend. Um, let's start with this, okay? I think one of the most frequent, persistent, and popular conversations that we've heard over the past, I don't know, 20 years has been, what is the game plan? Is there a blueprint? How would you approach beating Floyd Mayweather? I mean, if you search on um, Reddit Boxing plans to beat Mayweather or any version of that, you'll get Oscar's numerous yeah. you'll get numerous explanations for how you can do it. And 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 all the fighters who basically have had almost a perfect style that would beat Mayweather. None of them have actually come close. And um I think elements of that plan, there there's proof that those things don't work. But that doesn't mean we can't talk about that. So realistically and a lot of people out there are saying McGregor won't land a punch, that he's going to get schooled, he will get clowned, this will be a sparring session, etc. But like realistically, McGregor has some semblance of a chance. And there, there, there may be things that he could actually be successful at in this fight. So let's kind of talk about that. What do you think or what do you see is going to be Mayweather or McGregor's best chance? Well, what's his oh, options? Actually, let me ask you this. Sorry. But I want to ask you this first. Go ahead. I see this um, as something that um, MMA fans are talking about, or McGregor fans, I don't know. Um, basically, the clinch, that McGregor is, is, has the advantage in the clinch, and that's where he's going to get Floyd and do have his success. So can you talk about that? Because I'm not that well-versed in MMA, like the, the technical stuff of it. I don't know what the hell is going on. But like, what are the differences between the clinch, and is that actually a realistic option for uh, of, or route of success for McGregor inside the clinch? Uh, no, because one, McGregor doesn't really use the clinch in his fights. Like I, I've heard a lot of people say that, and I don't know, maybe I'm forgetting a bunch of fights. Like the Diaz fight, he would got in the clinch when they got against the fence. But most of the time, McGregor prefers to stay at distance and kick and punch guys. Like he, he likes jumping in with his left hand. But he doesn't. He doesn't fight from the clinch, and it's it, it's a completely different style of clinching anyway for MMA. They use like there's various versions. Like you can use a movie tie style. Like uh, they put two hands behind the neck, and because it's for knees, you but, can't or, do that in boxing. Yeah, exactly. You can't do that. And you, the other thing you can't do, which is the most uh, frequent clinch in MMA, is an underhook. Like they'll, they'll use the underhooks. Like they'll get an arm under. Her. They'll they'll take like okay you'll take the right arm and you get it under a guy's armpit essentially because mm-hmm. then you can use body control and you can uh, swing that like uh, but it you know it, it's it's about controlling the arm and sort of ragdolling the guy because he he can't respond but you can't underhook because that's what Ricky Hatton's basically entire career was was trying to put an underhook on a guy and then punching him in the in the clinch <laughs> which was illegal and that's why you know Harold Letterman used to call him uh, what do you say hit and hold Hatton so. <laughs> 
you know, and also that that Mayweather fight, you saw it where Cortez was uh, slapping his arm down because he was going for underhooks, and you can't do that in boxing. Like you, you can't put an underhook, which is like th- that's why I don't get this uh, Mayweather and the cl- or McGregor and the clinch argument because the boxing clinch is completely different. And the one know. problem that I see because you know I played the UFC game and the the clinch and I think <laughs> yeah I know I'm an expert now, but the clinch I'm thinking of and I'm only just thinking of the positioning is where um. You have both hands wrapped around the, the back of the guy's neck, basically, right? Yeah, that's a that's a Muay Thai style. I think they call it the plum or something like that. I don't know. I'm not too brushed up on my Muay Thai, but yeah, that, that's but a, if you that's do a that, Thai what's exposed? Like, the body. Well, your, your entire body, and you and you can't hold a guy behind the neck like that in boxing. You know? So yeah, for good for good reason. One, it's cheating. Two, your body's exposed, and any boxer yeah. who knows what they're doing is going to work the body in that situation. And and you've seen Floyd. He works the body inside the clinches. Even when the referee is about to break and there's no real action, he's still tapping the body. Yeah, well, there's the Floyd's clinch work is not grabbing guys. Usually it's using that elbow to, like, to keep, create space and then push off yeah. guys. He's, he's not so much of a, a holder except when he like uh, pretends he – or when he does miss the right hand and then – accidentally drapes it over the guy's back and pushes him down you know <laughs> it's a complete accident it's, it's true so but yeah i don't know like what's the strategy like well the one thing about the actual fight itself like everyone it's they're discounting the first thing is that mcgregor is a professional fighter like he's not a boxer but he is a professional fighter they just didn't grab this guy off the street and say hey fight mayweather so people <laughs> that are saying that are just wildly underestimating what he is it's you got to give the guy some credit. Like he does know how to fight. He doesn't know how to box properly, but he does know how to fight. So his options, I think, uh, what he should do is be like Jeff Horn, just try to mug him, you know, because that that's worked for Horn. He just mugged Pacquiao, and Floyd's older, and maybe his legs won't give him the same uh, escape routes that he used to have. So I, th- I think that's what he should do. What he might do is try to do that goofy. Uh, like he likes to sort of jump in and confuse his opponent whether he's going to kick or whether he's going to punch. But we know he can't kick. So if he tries his little jump in, he, he can be cut off with a right-hand counter like before he even starts it. You know, and then that's that's the weird thing about this fight like I said. But, he's got options, but I think Floyd's just going to cut him off. I I I okay. So with with the lunging in left hand, is that's what you're saying basically is like his primary weapon, right? Yeah, like, and you saw it. You saw it in his workouts—the way he kept springing around. Like, that's if if that's his plan. It, <laughs> My, I think it's going to go badly for him. Well, but. yeah, that's Manny Pacquiao. The, the lunging left hand for Manny Pacquiao is one of the greatest weapons that we've seen in boxing history. I mean, say what you will about Manny Pacquiao, and we've made fun of him on the podcast before. I'll acknowledge that. But one thing I will not allow anyone to take away from him is how effective he was jumping in with that left hand. I mean, the speed on it, the power. I mean, he he, he destroyed guys with it. I mean, he, he gave Marquez hell in that first fight because Marquez just could not see it coming. Um, he eventually adjusted and, you know, we saw how that all that ended like 40 rounds later. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it's it's it, it was just a brilliant weapon. And Pacquiao tried it against Floyd and Floyd shut it down. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And then Manny had the, uh, he also had the advantage of boxing footwork and not like those karate stance style footworks, which aren't as smooth. Okay, like, what about the high guard now that you mentioned that? There's, so there's the, the footwork and specifically the, the high karate guard stance that Maywe- or McGregor uses or will use. Um, is that an advantage 
Uh, uh, no, like <laughs> I don't know. Like the style of his attack is weird because he always likes to sort of put that right hand out. And like I said, I, it, it's just tough to get a grasp on what's going on in his camp. Whether they were just goofing around a lot in that workout, or whether that's their actual plan. Like the like guy, like I said, here's the thing: McGregor physically is a very good fighter, but of course it comes down to Floyd has way too many tricks and. All uh, it's something Jeff Mayweather said when discussing the fight. He said it doesn't matter. All the movement beforehand is is meaningless. All it depends is when the punch is actually thrown. You know, like you can dance around, you can spin, you can do whatever you want, but the punches are going to have to come from certain points, like the actual release. So, and Floyd's going to be able to pick that up. It, it doesn't matter how you try to disguise it. He's probably going to pick up where the punch is coming from. Yeah, you know, like he, he did it with Manny. Like he, he said, Manny is like. Man, he's one of the best ever. And then Floyd Floyd picked off his shots, you know. So And do you what what do you think? Like, so how do you envision this coming out? And or rather, if you were the one advising McGregor, what would be his best option, like to start the fight? Well, I said that. I said he should come out like horn. He should really try to rough it, make it ugly, because if he tries to do any kind of style matchup with Floyd. It's, it's, it's just not going to work unless Floyd's really old. Like that's, 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 I'm not like, I'm curious about this fight because like Floyd's come back time and time again, but he's 40 and his legs are, you know, he, he, he's extended his career a bit somewhat, but it's the legs. It's all in the legs for him. You know, like the, the, uh, yeah, I, I think McGregor should just, that's his option. That's, that's what he should do. If he you're doesn't s- try to mug him, if he doesn't try to mug him, Floyd's just going to. You're suggesting though, that McGregor should get inside with Floyd. Cause that's essentially what Horn did is he, he would hit on the way in and then basically rub his head on Pacquiao and work the body and stuff on the inside. You, is that your suggestion? Uh, a bit of that. But what also Horn did was he kept trying to make Manny move. He kept, that's what Pushing I think him around. is effective. Yeah, he, he, was, he was making Manny move off his body. He was making him use his legs, and Manny's legs are, are shot. Like, that, that's, that's been going on for a while, which I don't know why people keep, like, he can look good against who he was fighting, like, after Mayweather. But his legs, he doesn't have the same mobility. So I think that's, that's what McGregor really should be trying to do, is trying to make Floyd use his legs, because Floyd is old, and those legs might not have the same pop they used to. But... You know, Floyd's <laughs> Floyd's too smart. Like people, uh, the people run this fight down. This is how I felt about every Mayweather fight. Floyd was never going to lose. Like that's something I saw when I first started watching Floyd. He's, he was just too good. He's going to have tough fights, but he just wasn't going to lose. He's just way too smart, and people never really wanted to give him the credit for exactly how smart of a fighter he was. Like he sees everything. He knows what's going on. He, when a guy starts his attack, he he just he knows what he's aiming for like sort of what you're saying about Crawford like Floyd had that down you know is, is coming out right into the professional ranks even in the amateurs he just knows what fighters want to do where they're going to go and sometimes he's if they have enough energy he likes to get them the gas so they can't because like some of the plans might work like this idea of a blueprint sure these plans will work against Floyd but he's not a willing participant you know like he's not going to sit there and let you do it he's going to figure out a way to make you not be able to execute your plan. And that's usually is by getting guys to gas out. Like he did to Oscar, like he did to Madonna, you know, like everyone talks about Madonna. Like he's like, he won that fight. And you look the first, the first fight, he threw a hundred punches. Garcia's plan was to throw a hundred punches every round. The second round, Madonna only threw 68 because it's, he couldn't keep up the pace. You know? Right. 
And, and that's something when you get in the ring with Floyd, like that adrenaline, like it, you're finally reached that moment and that wears on you. I don't know, you know, if you've ever been in one, and for you listening, if you've ever been in one of those situations, but like once the adrenaline kind of wears off and you kind of start to feel your body again, the, the, the gas runs out pretty quick. And, yeah. And no, sorry to cut you off, but yeah. Well, I just wanted to ask you now a question about that is I've read and I haven't watched many McGregor fights. I think the only McGregor fight that I've ever watched is the Aldo one. And then the one where he lost, I just somehow managed to be at someone's house and they put that on. I didn't even know he was fighting that day. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and I also happened to be watching when Anderson Silva broke his leg and when <laughs> Ronda Rousey lost both times. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not good luck for MMA stars. No, you're not. Um, anyway, um, but I, I've seen that McGregor has trouble with his stamina. Is that, how real is that? The, well, the, that's real. Like he does gas, but he's also, he's, here's the thing. Like they say, oh, we've been training 12 rounds. We've been training 12 rounds. They should have been training going 24, you know, like, like Floyd. No, but th- th- that's what it's Floyd true. did when he trained, you know, F- Floyd, with his training sessions, he trained to go far beyond 12 rounds. And like McGregor does tire out, and like you saw, like especially it showed up in the Diaz fight when he threw everything he could at Diaz in the first round, trying to get him out. And the second round, he was he had nothing left, and then Diaz started to pick him apart, and that's where he went. the The rematch, he he was a bit more careful, and he lasted that. But even still, like both of those guys were, they had nothing much left, you know, by the end of the fight. But a lot of fights, D, uh, McGregor does tire out quickly. And that's from like hitting guys and uh, someone else. I, I can't remember who said this. I was just watching some podcasts, but they said if if you get tired hitting guys, you're gonna get really tired missing guys, and yeah, you're gonna be missing yeah. Floyd a lot. You know, when you when you start throwing, like if you're throwing killer shots, trying to end Floyd, and he just does a small pivot and you miss him, it, it's gonna blow you out. Yep. And and that just tends to happen a lot when you fight Floyd. I mean, one of the things that I think has been brilliant that Floyd is able to do is that his, um, his anticipation, like he's, he's mastered every single basic maneuver in, in boxing. So like the one, two, he's mastered how to defend it and he can, and, and his anticipation of when those are coming just takes him to the next level. So, you know, a one, two is, you know, he, you see, he defends it almost the same way every time. Uh, if yeah. you try to jab to the body, he defends that the same way every time. Like he's mastered basic things that most fighters do. And it takes, I mean, Manny Pacquiao, I think landed that one left hand because it was a little out of, out of the blue. And, but you saw Floyd make the adjustment. Like that's the other thing is he's always learning in the fight and making the, the adjustments. And, um, you know, that's, if, if McGregor, and so that leads into my next question of why, and you said that he's answered this question, but you know, I haven't been keeping up with any of what McGregor or his camp says because I'm not that interested, but why would McGregor's camp not bring in any quote unquote boxing experts into his camp? Well, yeah, unless they've completely disguised who's showing up at the thing, but I don't think so. Because people will be spotting who's walking in another place at least. He has this whole thing, and I think it was in the All Act, it's about sticking with the trainers that he came up with, which is a pretty. Which is, you've oh, heard that's the uh, Chris Algieri plan. Well, yeah, yeah, a bit, but it's also like Canelo. Like people said, you know, when Canelo lost to Floyd, they said, oh, he should get rid of his trainers. He should do this and that. And he stuck with them, and it, it worked bad. out for him. They, but, they, but, the, they've, but they've impressed me, they've turned it around. He, yeah, but they're boxing trainers. Like, it, there's no one in that camp that's 
affiliated with boxing. It's like Owen Roddy's his striking coach, and it's like who's Owen Roddy? It's like he's like I don't know. Like my main point about this fight, I I like this fight. I like every single aspect of this fight, and I think it's a great fight. But it's not saying I'm not saying McGregor's gonna win. I, I think if Floyd can still move his legs, he's just gonna he's gonna destroy this guy, and that's his point. Floyd's out there to make a point, saying you guys have been running me down for a decade, and now I'm gonna take your best fighter and just make a goof on him. And McGregor, yes, I know he's not you know Demetrius Johnson's pound for pound, blah blah blah, but he's their biggest fighter. He, you know he's the most popular. Isn't and Floyd's McGregor just, one of the pound for pound best UFC fighters though? I, I don't. It depends because there's so much animosity towards him, you know, because of his 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 uh, attitude. I think people would put John Jones ahead of him, and they'd put Demetrius Johnson ahead of him, you know, for his division. Well, he's certainly like you know he's still he's still the champion of two divisions, even though they stripped him of one. Okay, um, but <laughs> our Reddit yeah, it, MMA this camp is weird. Yeah, sorry, sorry to talk over you, but number was, two. Uh, sorry, what was that? Sorry, Reddit MMA has him at number two. Behind oh. Demetrius Johnson, I think they don't have John Jones on this list. They should probably put him on there because he's pretty good. Um, but they have McGregor, and he just beat number three, Daniel Daniel Corm- Cormier. Oh yeah, but see, they, there again, there's a pulp, there's a popularity thing, you know. So who knows where his spot is? As far as like being pure skilled, that that might have been done before uh, John Jones came back that list because I think everyone now pretty much will say John Jones is the best, or they'll say uh, Demetrius Johnson's better. But Demetrius Johnson's like 135 pounds, so. That's or 125, like, I think, actually, he fights. Yeah, he fights at 125. So. He should fight Rigondeau. <laughs> he should. Everybody else wants to fight him. <laughs> yeah, no one will watch, so. Uh, <laughs> is it the same problem over there? Nobody's watching Johnson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 part of it's the UFC might not be yeah getting pushed, but it's also... It, He's not like, <laughs> well, here's a, here's the thing for Canadian fans, especially all his uh, pay-per-views have been in Canada and they've all performed poorly. And so it's like people in Canada, are like, why do you keep giving us Demetrius Johnson as the headliner when no one's tuning in? So like, I think he sells on, on their list, like 150,000. He's a great fighter though. He's, he's a really great fighter. Like all he could do is, is he just beats guys up, but 125 divisions it's pretty it's just like uh the lower ones at 118 and below in boxing there's not a lot of fighters in them all right we have to move on nobody cares about demetrius johnson well, yeah, in this episode well you asked a maybe, question maybe uh you know uh, oh and i podcast. want to say about i want to say about the camp like i said their camp makes no sense like this is what the whole Polly malinaji thing was like it seems like they just want to embarrass Polly because he, he talks shit about connor but the fact is, now you have no boxers with any real experience. Like, they got a couple of amateur guys around there, but they don't have any professional boxers. And sure, like, Paulie is. Not there's a another professional point. boxer anymore. He retired. Well, yeah, he's retired, but he's still, he could still give you good work. Paulie, Paulie, could, Paulie could give you good work, even though, like, he's, he's, like, you know, hasn't fought in six months. He knows how to go 12 rounds, he knows how to go more. So that's a guy. Because, like, after that. I'm sorry I'm heckling <laughs> you, but I can't resist. I know. Well, I was going to say about that sparring thing. It's like you bring in Paul Malinaji, and then you say, oh, you want to prove that Connor knows how to box by landing a left hand on Polly? Everyone lands left hands on Polly. Like, look where he carries his right hand. It's below his chin. You can watch any fight of his, any big fight. Sean Porter's landing jabs, like, almost unblocked. You know, Cotto was landing left hands. Everyone lands left hands on Polly. So when McGregor jumps in and they go, oh, look, he landed a left hand on Polly. It's like, <laughs> no shit. And, but the other thing is, he didn't drop Polly with that full shot left hand. 
You know, that's what he's trying to do. He jumped in, landed a full blast on Polly's face, and Polly's still standing there. So, I don't know. Like I said, I love this fight, but it's also the comedy of it is crazy. Like, and after after they after they did embarrass Polly, all the other guys they tried to get Berto in, and Berto refused because he didn't want them to try to splice footage together. They tried to get Stevie Forbes, who was the old. He's the Mayweather stand-in. For like a Every- decade? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's used Stevie to... Longer than a, a decade, part. maybe. Yeah, and also because he worked with he's worked with all the Mayweather brothers in training, too. So, yeah, it, but he wouldn't show up because, like he says, he goes, I haven't sparred in forever. So he's not going to walk in and let him goof on him. It's, it's just not going to happen. So, yeah, their camp... They did this for the Diaz fight, the first Diaz fight, which was a short-notice uh, replacement there's uh, such a cult of personality. Like McGregor is such a personable guy. He makes everyone around him believe, and he's into that, the secret, you know, envisioning your success and all that. So they all sort of, it's, it's a bit like a cult. And I think their, their training camp, like I said, if he wins, he looks like a genius, but if he loses, you could point directly to the fact that he essentially is running his own camp and they his trainers are just mostly sycophants there to pump up his They're ego. Yes, men. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like they've they've got a they've got a great fighter, and how much are they contributing? Well, you can start to see that maybe they're not contributing as much. Connor likes them around because he just likes them, and he's he's loyal to them. But whether they're the best trainers, like why like hire Robert Garcia? He he, he probably would have worked with you, and he could have he could at least given you a game plan, you know. Well, I, I I bet after they went to wild card and Freddie Roach told them it'd take me a long time to make you into something, um, <laughs> they probably would say, you know, we're probably not going to deal with any boxing trainers. I mean, this guy's like the trainer to the stars and I'm a star and he treated me like this. can only imagine what will happen if I walk into Abel Sanchez's gym or something. Yeah, I forgot about that one. And and, and Freddie, he'll he'll take on almost anybody. Like he, he's taken on a lot of MMA guys. Yeah, but he trains um, some. MMA, uh, George St. Pierre. Yeah, and, yeah. I know about uh, him. Yeah. Uh, let, let's move on. So do you think that this is going to break the pay-per-view record? I think it has a chance, but like I said, it, it's that, that Pacquiao fight, like everyone sort of knew they're familiar with Pacquiao and it, the, the fight between the two was shimmering for long enough that you brought in a lot of fans that you might've drifted away. And that's, that's why it really was such, such a success. And it could have done more if the pay-per-view system didn't crash too. So they're they're certainly giving it a chance. They seem hopeful, but it doesn't have to. That's that's the other thing. Like the the criticism of this fight, like you especially see with the ticket sales, they don't have to sell any tickets at all. Like the the, the fight's being done on a money split, so whatever money they get in is is theirs. It's 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 a weird criticism that this fight isn't sold out yet. Like well, these ticket prices are ridiculously high. The fact that they, I think there's uh there's somewhere around twelve hundred tickets left, like for still main sales, like primary sales, and the lowest ticket price is thirty five hundred dollars. And let's put this into perspective when it comes to the ticket prices and everything. So the highest MMA gate ever in Las Vegas, okay, was Nunes Tate. That made that sold fifteen a little over fifteen thousand tickets. Okay, now guess how much that made. 15,000 tickets, guess how much it made. I'm not telling you. I'm just saying this for the listener. I know you know. Yeah. So how much did it make? $10 million. The highest boxing gate ever sold a little over 16,000 and did 72 million. That's $62 million difference um, between the, the two fights. 
the, the highest MMA gate, the highest boxing gate ever. So boxing price, uh, boxing prices are a lot more. Um, and even, and the, the, the tickets are priced similarly to the Mayweather Pacquiao. I can't remember exactly what the prices were. It might actually even be a little more expensive. Don't you think? I can't remember. Uh, yeah, because, uh, I, don't know, I didn't look it up beforehand either, but yeah, I think the prices are cause like they got these official platinum tickets through Ticketmaster. Yeah. So those tickets are actually like $14,000 and that's pretty much all the, but all the floor seats and that goes up into like the 20th row of the stadium for the, for the sides, you know, like the big sides, like <laughs> these are expensive tickets, like the ridiculously expensive, you know, and that's the thing, like when they were talking about, there's a $500 floor, those tickets are gone. Those are the ones they offer to fans. And those are all upper level, like the 500, 1500 and 2,500. That's all pretty much last row in the upper level decks. Like almost all those upper row, the upper bowl tickets are $3,500. Okay. So like I got this, the, this, I got the numbers. Yeah. Okay. Um, and if you don't like numbers, uh, there's going to be a lot more numbers, but the numbers we're going to talk about later are a lot more fun than these. So the Mayweather Pacquiao fight, the tickets were priced between 1500 and 7500 Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and there weren't one, a lot of them. And there weren't a lot of them available either. So. And, and this time, it was from $500 to $10,000. Yeah. And that ten thousand again is a bit deceptive because all those tickets are like well thirteen nine ninety five because of that Ticketmaster weird official platinum which is a guaranteed ticket and you can't resell them and all this other nonsense they they throw in there. And and the nosebleed seats were starting at three thousand dollars on a lot of the secondhand sites um, after the fight was announced. Oh yeah, those are the five hundred dollar tickets that they're trying to they're trying to scalp up to three thousand. And you know who knows how much those um, tickets to ringside were going are going for now, um, and that's you know gonna at least crack fifty million in the gate, I think. Well, yeah, Leonard said they're over. They were over sixty million uh, on media day. So I mean, just <laughs> that's still well, fifty that's million like, dollars more than anything the UFC's made at the gate. Yeah, and I said this is the weird criticism, and I, I wrote about that uh, in June that people are gonna say now it did make enough money. And it's, it's, it's they did this exact same thing before Mayweather Pacquiao. It's they only criticized, not enough it, compared to the, the the greatest performance of all time. <laughs> yeah, I know. But before Mayweather Pacquiao, the biggest fight was uh, Floyd and Canelo. Yeah, like for without adjusting for inflation and everything. And that just by, that just gate by was numbers. was terrible compared uh, comparatively. Yeah, you know, compared, but I think it was what it was over twenty million dollars or something. I don't think so. I I, uh, I think it was. Um, you can look it up. I know. I, I, I looked it up list. this morning. Uh, I think it. I, I think it was definitely less than twenty million. Yeah, edit it out because I'll look it up because it's easy to get to. All I right, just... I got it. It. You were right. It is twenty million. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, you just over. Yeah, just over twenty million. So if you were to look at the top boxing gates of all time, um, the top MMA would barely crack the top twenty. Barely crack the top twenty. Yeah, well, that's like their their biggest fight was when they went back to New York because MMA was banned in New York for so many years. So I think well, I don't that was have like New York statistics. But it was seventeen million. But that's that's the only time you know the next time they went to New York it was two million. So it's Ooh. Were they you know, giving that, that tickets away. Well, they pretty much do. Everyone gets tickets away. There's always comp tickets. You know, well, but uh, yeah, I know like that, most but... of the, most of their gates, except for like you're talking about that Nunez Tate that was supposed to be the Jones Cormier rematch, but then Jones failed the drug test. Then uh, Brock Lesnar, 
Ah, uh, the first time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he's only failed once, but you know, because you can't fail for cocaine. You can, unless it's fight night. So. Oh, okay. But, yeah. Well, fair enough. Good but yeah, you look at you look at their normal gates, even on bigger fights. It's like this last uh, Jones Cormier, uh, the rematch. The gate was two point four, two point five million dollars or something. So um, boxing. And when Kovalev Ward uh, rematch went did two point three, everyone in boxing laughed and said it was horrible. Yet most of those writers that cover UFC, they're not going to anger the UFC by saying their gates are horrible. So, right. So, uh, just you know, one last thing. So before we get off of this commission stuff, the yeah. Zufa and Zufa is the parent company of UFC. Am I correct? Yes. They yeah. made a request to the commission to co-promote this fight. Now. Is, do you think that's a problem given the whole Ali act and Conor McGregor is now officially a boxer, he's in a boxing match, and now you have a company like Zufa, a MMA promoter, and technically is manager, um, or they have the, you know they have him under some sort of contract, now they're promoting the fight. Like, Can they get in trouble for this? Uh, if people cared, they could, but that's, that's the basis of the whole Ali act is that states weren't really caring what was going on. Like, all, everything that was happening in boxing was violating the state rules. And no one did anything about it. So that's why the Ali Act came in. And this is, no one really knows because, like, a lot of the Ali Act hasn't been tested. Would have, except for one of the uh, Mikey Garcia. We usually, usually when people raise a problem, it, it gets settled before it goes to trial. So no one really knows exactly what you can do with the Ali Act because it's boxers threaten and promoters cave. But. This it's it's a complicated question because I think they're a co-promoter just so that they can pay McGregor. That's what most people are interpreting it with. But there's also working its way slowly through Congress and uh, is uh, to make the Ali Act apply to MMA. Now whether Zufa getting involved in boxing, it even in this even if they're just like a name promoter and they're not the primary because essentially with the Ali Act it's the primary promoter that is bears all the responsibility. So they're in a primary. They're, they're just uh, applying for co-promoter. But so is uh, PBC. PBC is applying to be a co-promoter through uh, TBG promotions so that they can pay some of the fighters. That's that's how people interpret it. They, they just got their name on it so that they can legally uh, pay out McGregor. But it, it, it's all about how it interprets it. Because like, like I said, there's the working its way through Congress is an attempt to try to make the Ali up. Apply, Ali Act apply to MMA. So it's kind of a tough argument for Zufa if it ever reaches that point saying, well, we're not boxing promoters when they've shown they have been a boxing promoter. So, Right. Now, I mean, and that'll be the interesting fallout from this fight is what McGregor does next. Win, lose, draw, whatever. What does McGregor, you know, I, I think <laughs> the UFC's best bet is that he just disappears or he comes back and fights. But uh, the worst yeah, case scenario the for them is he sues them. Well, that that's that'd be the funniest thing, and he still can't. You know, like who knows what kind of deal they made with his contract? Because if he goes back to the MMA, he's not going to fight under the. He's not. He's not going to give up eighty five percent of the money again. No, yeah. I wouldn't either. Yeah, exactly. It's like well, why? <laughs> They're saying, I feel oh, for the guy. Yeah, yeah. He's he's going to fully capitalize on his 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 you know, fame. So, so that that'll be interesting to see what kind of followed. It could be funny, or he could just decide to play along with the UFC, or if they gave him some kind of weird percentage deal, the the business or something. But I, I think it's going to cause a lot of problems with the rest of their their fighters. I think their fighters are going to really start to get irritated that they just let this guy go out and make his full value, 
Yeah. You know, you can't say, well, that's boxing. That, that just highlights how badly they're getting screwed in, in MMA. And it's not just the UFC. Every MMA promoter, even though there aren't many left, like there's only Bellator is the only bigger one left in the U.S. But they all use these contracts where the, the, the promotion is basically taking all the money. And, and thus, we now see a bigger pull to bring the Ali Act to the MMA. So this is a groundbreaking fight, I think, not only for the, for the fact that it, it brings a UFC fighter and a boxing fighter in the ring, um, and they're both stars, and the fact that it's going to make a ton of money, but this could change the, the MMA landscape forever. It could, but you never know. Sometimes people will uh, see the highlighted pay, I don't know. I think modern times, they just hate people that makes any money. So they see guys, hey, this guy can make 10 million or whatever. Who cares about him? You know, I don't know. America's really hates people with money, as you can see by all the anger over the ticket prices for this fight. So they I'm really hate that. guys with money. I'm not touching that. <laughs> Let's move on. I want to talk about, so usually we do a preview and we talk about a lot of the things that we've already talked about and even more things. But this time, I thought we'd talk about the prop bets. And you discuss those. And there's some ridiculous ones and there are some interesting ones. Uh, and we will discuss the prop bets and we'll see if any of these have an actual shot of making you some money. So let's start. Um, and I got these from Covers.com and Covers.com scoured uh, a bunch of sports books online and in Vegas. So first one, will either fighter test positive for PEDs? Now, this opened at plus 300 for a yes. And no was at minus 1,100. But now, and obviously with the long history of MMA fighters getting test, or testing positive and then having their fights canceled, I, that could explain fairly low odds. But now, yes is at plus 555 and no was at minus 7,100. Um, is this worth betting on? <laughs> well, if you like the return on the no. I, I, I don't think McGregor's never tested positive for anything. And I don't think, that, you know, I don't think he's if they, they, they probably would have grabbed them by now because the uh, testing usually when you saw the runs things they do about 19 tests for a Mayweather fight you know so th there's a lot of testing you would I don't think any they would have picked something up by now I, I don't think McGregor would have taken the fight if he couldn't pass a drug test yeah and the UFC you know they do seem like they're they've got pretty good testing given how many fights are canceled from failed drug tests. And well, yeah, we and a lot of that uh, test positive recently. Yeah, Junior Dos Santos, and of course he's blaming uh, supplements, but th th that's a convenient excuse. It's like, well, you've been told for two years to stop using supplements, so. <laughs> well, you know, okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny how many uh, athletes under a drug testing program just decided to randomly pick up a supplement and use it. You know, so. How about this one? Will Bieber carry Mayweather's belts to the ring. If you nope. bet yes, plus 150. No is minus 180. You, yeah, the, you're taking no, the no? I think it's dead because I think Mayweather on Kimmel said he's not because they, they had some kind of falling out according to TMZ. I don't know. Justin's trying to clean up his life and that's what Floyd said. So he doesn't associate with Floyd because there's too many chicks hanging around him, I think. He leads him astray. He's got to uh, be right with God and... Oh, well, that always works for everybody. But well, um, I, I saw that Bieber had said in an interview that he didn't think Floyd would knock out McGregor. Yeah, I know. He's he's Now he's turned against team money. It's terrible to see the fallout. But 
There's also uh, a line for will Bieber wear a hat and will Bieber wear sunglasses. Oh, man, I could have cleaned up by getting on all these bets. By not even being there. Uh, how about this one? Will Little Wayne wear a shirt? Minus 200 <laughs> for yes, plus 160 for no. Yeah, that's a classic one. I don't know, it's Little Wayne. <laughs> that's a, that'll probably be the that'll probably be the toughest bet of the night trying to figure it out one there. there there's a few more that are that are tough but i agree with you because he's he's gone both ways yeah because 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 you know he's got the wife beater option so that's that's what throws it off because he might want to be cool but like he stay like physically like cooler but you just might not want to catch a chill so he'll put a wife beater on so you know okay well that's a poor choice of words first of all <laughs> It's the name of the church. Come on. They, Se- they, it's, that's how they market it. Go to, you know, go to the store. Second of all. It's wife beater on it. Um, I, I don't understand the no shirt thing. I mean, unless he's putting a shirt on afterward or something. Because inside the arena, it's actually fairly cold, you know, sitting on the floor. Especially if you're sitting, you know, and you're not doing anything. Um, it gets cold in there. The, the forum in Inglewood is notorious. Like, it, that is the coldest arena to be in. I hate it. Uh, and they keep doing fights there for some reason. It is freezing in there. But see, um, this is why this is why handicappers make money because they probably went down to T-Mobile and took a took a surface temperature sample. Now they're going to pile it on that <laughs> with little Wayne bed. So this guy right here thinks he's Jimmy the Greek. <laughs> Inside information. That's how you make money. Okay, will McGregor do the famed billionaire strut, which is inappropriately named, if you ask me, because he's only worth thirty-four million. And the rumors that he's only getting seventy-five million for this fight. Um, yes is minus two seventy-two. No is plus two hundred eight. Mm. God, I'd have to ride with yes. And it's named after uh, McMahon, I think Vince McMahon, who was a billionaire for a while there. So. Two seconds. Yeah. Well, you know, it's always uh, a chance. Will Mayweather and McGregor touch gloves? Yes is two minus two fifty-seven. No is plus one seventy-six. Now, Mayweather did touch gloves in his last two fights against Manny Pacquiao and Andre Berto, and McGregor did in his last fight. What are you taking? I'd say yes. They did. They usually make him touch it up. and At the beginning of the fight? Yeah. I, I don't think... I don't, oh, God. That's a, that's a tough one. I don't think they'll have any kind of animosity on that level. You know, I, I think they'll touch up gloves. Like they'll, they'll, give, they, they'll give that weak, you know, sort of move it halfway and sort of just brush gloves and it's just not going to be an emphatic touch them up or a friendly one but i, th- I think they'll well, still yeah they're not going to kiss in the center but yeah i get it <laughs> all right so here's some interesting you never ones. know um mcgregor lands a kick at any point in the fight yes is plus 1000 no is minus 2000 i'd say no because like as they've talked about so many times before he's he's there's clauses in there there's fines in there there's and, like, like legal stuff involved too yeah there's no there's no mma moves in there so he's he's not i think floyd even said even if his number's off but he said something like 90 percent of the money he'll lose so that's still more than he'll make in the ufc i know but he's not he's not gonna he's not gonna i know because joe rogan has this fantasy he's been pushing that mcgregor's gonna land a head kick and knock floyd out one you're gonna have to be able to land it because you know floyd's gonna see it coming but also, he's not going to give up all his money just so he can be like a, a, a get upvotes on Reddit or something. <laughs> I mean, he's in the I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he will. The UFC, again, that's more money than he'd make in the UFC. 
<laughs> no, but he'll lose it. I'm saying. You know, he'll lose no, all that. that 10% he'll make is still more than he'd make in the UFC. <laughs> oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Well, that's just that's a mean twist of the knife. But, but you know. I don't, I, I, don't, so. I don't sign the checks. I don't come up with the... I, I, I think that MMA fighters should get paid a ton more because they take a ton of risk. I mean, dudes oh. are getting knocked out left and right. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, and you have to tap out. Like, you know, boxing, quitting is seen as like the worst thing. And in MMA, it's almost like an expectation that if you get caught in a hold or something, you should tap. Yeah, it's, it's an honorable uh, form of surrender. Is it really like considered honorable? Uh, well, the, the people argue about it. People, it depends on how much they like the fighter. But a lot of guys who are in it, especially like with these, like if someone's like these joint manipulation locks, they hurt like hell. You know, it's, it's, you can't man it out. You know, when someone's got you in a good arm bar, you're pretty much, if you don't tap out, the next thing that starts to go is your tendons start to break. So these are submission holds for a reason, you know. Uh, McGregor lands an elbow. Yes is plus 800. No is minus 1600. So it's more, according to these lines, it's more likely that he's going to land an elbow than a kick. What What do you say? I don't know. I guess you could because it's the old boxer's trick, eh? When you throw a hook and miss it and you sort of flare your elbow to try to clip him. That's even in a Freddie Roach I've never uh, seen training. Bernard Hopkins never do that. that. <laughs> it's even in a Freddie Roach training video. He says that. <laughs> Either fighter warned for a low blow. Yes is plus 141. No is minus 196. Uh, warned, yeah, I'd say yes. I, I don't, you know, come on. It doesn't take so. much to warn. Uh, have, but see, this is the thing. If McGregor's jumping around being awkward, uh, people, you know, punches are going to stray. Do you, you know. really think he's going to throw body punches? Felix Verdejo doesn't even throw body punches. Oh, no, no. I don't think McGregor will. I think, but I think Floyd, because Floyd's going to be shooting for the body all the time. Yeah. I think Floyd so, will go to the body. Yeah, but I think, but we're talking about warning, you know, because it doesn't take much to warn a guy about a boxer. So like, is, is it an official warning? Is it a point? Or is that just like a... Just a warning. I don't know. I, I recall a lot of war, uh, bird fights where he's, that's about all he says is keep him up. So... Does that qualify? Ooh, that's, you know what? That's probably like a little, like they specifically made it vague so they cannot pay out on that one. Ah, see, like that's it. Is it a fish? Is it a point deduction or is it a, like, does he stop and warn him or is it just like a keep him up? Because I think a keep him up, you know, it's going to happen. That's why like, I've it, only it, made one bet in my life because I got screwed on some little vague <laughs> stipulation like that. And I was like, okay, I'm done with this. This is stupid. <laughs> The only bet to ever make was Mayweather by decision. Or no, Mayweather to win. You never pick by decision either because, you know, he might fight Victor Ortiz and knock him out. Oh, so. man, I wanted to make that joke. <laughs> um, all right. Will either fighter lose a mouthpiece? Yes is plus 500 and no is minus uh, a very specific minus one thirteen fifty seven. I'd, I'd, I'd ride with the no. I, I don't think they're going to be flying out. Uh, you... I, th I think most... this one is, is likely. Really? Not tremendously it's... likely, but it could happen. Usually mouthpieces is about how much money they spent on them, and neither one of these guys is hurting for cash, so I think they're going to be, they're going to have good mouthpieces. <laughs> like, I, don't know, I, don't uh... know where, I don't know where DeGale got his, but <laughs> took his teeth with him. So. Uh, will either corner throw in the towel? Plus 337 for yes, no is minus 714. Uh, no, because you can't throw the towel in in Nevada. 
see there's a specific one like you cannot throw a towel into the ring in nevada you can you can that's why they the guys will have to get up on the apron and wave it but you can't throw the towel in so how are they defining that Physical they should life? allow that because yeah. we've seen several times in the past where guys get up onto the ropes to wave the ref down and the ref doesn't stop it and dudes are just getting their brains pummeled in <laughs> well, that's because they waited too long to stop it you know i don't know what but yeah you, you can't you can't throw say anything about you. billy briscoe Holy, he went to the well for that one. Uh, will a fighter get knocked through the ropes? You can only bet yes on this one, and it's plus 1,100. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, yeah. Another not, vague one, I think. Hopkins isn't in there, so you're not going to win that bet. Well, and I don't think the ropes are going to be super loose. Like, that was part of the reason. Like, those ropes, are, ropes were really loose in the Hopkins-Smith Jr. fight. <laughs> Didn't he get knocked out before once, too? What fight was that? Um... Alan Green, I think. Uh, or almost. Oh, almost when that. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> who's the guy Bill's that like, threw him out of the ring? Yeah. Who, this is uh, legit. Okay. If if you are if you're you don't believe me, go to Bernard Hopkins on the YouTube page, and um, I, I'm pretty sure it's the Alan, Alan something. It might be Alan Minto, maybe. Bernard Hopkins. <laughs> Mills Lane is a referee, and he throws um Hopkins out of the ring. Yeah. <laughs> no, Minto is not it. Uh. It's one of those who fights. Who is it? Um, I cannot remember who it is, but Hopkins gets thrown out of the ring. It's hilarious. Um, damn, I can't remember who who it was against. I don't know. He, to do okay, and just to, to, to finish the story, he gets thrown out of the ring. Like, legitimately, Robert Allen, he gets thrown out of the ring, and okay. then gets back in. <laughs> yeah, you have like, uh, what is it, 30 seconds? If you fall out of the ring, but no one can help you up or help you back in, is the rule. Like, and, and I'm not kidding. Mills Lane throws him out of the ring. <laughs> he was tired of Hopkins' crap. Hopkins was bullshit. Doing Hopkins yeah. Stuff. yeah. Well, that's just a, it's a horrible racism in boxing. There's, there's an example. Okay, not touching that. Um, <laughs> I'm not. Mills Lane wasn't a racist. Settle down. So. How do you know? Well, I'm saying that's that's a legal disclaimer. So. Oh, okay. I don't want the I, that family's got a lot of money off Mills. I don't want them coming for all the hundreds of dollars in my bank account. I know, dude is dead. Like, give him a break. Yeah, but he's got give a family. Him. They manages his uh, estate, so he's got a he had a pretty big business with that Judge Mill Lane's TV show and everything. Yeah. All right, let's let's move this. Um, will Mayweather McGregor break the pay per view record? Yes is minus two seventy. No is plus two fifty. I I I was a strong proponent that it was going to break it. But recently I've been hesitating on that. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure at this point. 4.4 million is a lot. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't take that bet just because of the, how much piracy has even in the last two years, how quickly it's grown. And I don't know how they can quantify and if they're going to include online purchases, if they're not. Oh yeah, they it. will. In the, in the final number, there's enough options. They'll include them. So, so, and then there's another bet that says, will it crack 5 million? And yes is minus 165, which means that they're saying that it's very likely going to break 5 million buys. Yeah. Well, like I said, in the, in the media, they're saying it looks good because they get a bunch of initial numbers. Like when people pre-purchase, which you should right, right. for pay-per-views, like you should always just call your provider. But so many people wait to the last moment. Call. But Nobody talks what. on the phone anymore. Yeah, I know, but, you know, that's, but uh, some places you should be able to order through your cable box, though, too. You can pre-order them. 
but yeah, it's it, I don't know, it, it's tough. Like I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it does, just because it's well, like I said, I'm going back to Jeff Mayweather because he always has the best lines. He goes, "People like to watch strange things," so that's this, this fight is just it's 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 gotten a lot of buzz. Like even though people think it's <clears throat> sorry, even though people think it's dying down, like. Just the other day, I was walking, you know, in a bar, and people were talking about it. You know, everyone's talking about it. So that's that's the kind of buzz. It's it's sort of similar like the Mayweather-Pacquiao. Like people, you usually meet in your normal life that you don't know anything about boxing, don't follow the sport, or talking about that fight. So sure. that's when you know it's going to be pretty huge. So my my counter, but I don't know that it's a good counter, but a counter nonetheless is that for Mayweather-Pacquiao, every boxing fan was tuning in. Most MMA fans were tuning in and tons of casual sports fans were tuning in. That gave us the 4.4 number. Now, for this fight, not every boxing fan is tuning in and not every MMA fan is tuning in. And a lot of casuals will tune in. Is that enough to break 5 million? Yeah, but if you take all the boxing fans that actually pay for boxing, that's what, a thousand people (laughs) are going to be tuning in. Uh, true, but that's also like only a few thousand that are actually tuning in as well. Yeah, exactly. So those, those, um, those Bud Crawford forty thousand pay per view buys, you know, that's that's your hardcore boxing audience right there. You know, I, I don't. People say a lot. Like this is the thing: when a writers want to make an argument, they'll quote this. You know, this majority. You know, when people on forums want to make an argument. You know, suddenly it's the hardcore fans. The hardcore fans are the people that are paying fifteen thousand dollars to go watch boxing. You know, you have to be a pretty big fan because they go, oh, well, they go there to be there. No one gives a shit if they're there. Like, oh, you know, it's they want to see the event. And even when it's not 14,000, even back when it was 1,500 for a ringside seat to a Mayweather fight, you know, those are boxing fans. If you're going to dump 1,500 bucks on a fight, you're a fan of boxing. You might not be a fan of all the other boxers, but you're a fan of boxing. I, I, I don't, this whole hardcore casual argument, casuals, as they call them, they drive all the sports. They drive everything. Yep. They drive football. They drive basketball. They drive every sport. People people aren't devoted to sports. You know, like the the number of people that are devoted that are daily followers is wildly overestimated. You know, most people just want to go and be entertained, and they're the ones bringing in all the money. You know, I mean, if you look at um, even just the subreddit numbers of either boxing or MMA or the NBA. Most of those subscribers, they're not, they don't even capture the hardcore number. The hardcore number is a, is a percentage of that. And I yeah. think that applies to the, the bigger number of all fans at large. Uh, let's move on. Will there be a rematch in 2018? Yes, no. it's plus 350. Yeah, no, it's going to Yeah, no, there won't be a rematch. The flight's done. Will there be a rematch in the octagon? Yes, is plus nine hundred. Like that's <laughs> just that's not. just asking for like if you bet that you're just giving them money. <laughs> that's that's see, you know, people say Floyd isn't smart. You know, <laughs> Floyd threw that one out because just just because the whole thing. This is what happens. Okay, if McGregor loses, as everyone thinks he's he'll do, the defense of all the UFC fans will be well, there wasn't a real fight. You know, the McGregor's team, they they were already saying that even before the first media tour. Well, this isn't a real fight. It's not a real fight, you know, because only MMA is the real fighting. So that's what Floyd was just doing. He was saying, they yeah, just do it in the octagon. Because then it gives McGregor fans a chance to say, oh, Floyd's chicken to fight a real fight after McGregor loses. 
You know, it, it, it keeps them tuned in. It keeps them invested. It, it's, it's, it's a promotional trick that I, I don't know how where Floyd pulls these things out. Like the guy just knows how to promote a fight and why people constantly want to look for excuses why he's not popular just baffles me. You know, they'll, they'll point to the Berto fight after the Mayweather Pacquiao. Well, everyone spent their money going to Mayweather Pacquiao. And Andre, the Andre Berto fight is still more popular than almost every other boxing fight out there. I, I, I would say that those and writers, you know, you mentioned writers specifically, but yeah. the the people who make that argument that Floyd isn't popular are actually falling into the trap that Mayweather's laying uh, in saying that he's not that popular or whatever. What you're falling into the trap because you're writing um, about him. Exactly. And Floyd, Floyd even says that to their face because he says, you still talk about me. And, and you've seen that on the forums. People who hate Floyd spend more time talking about Floyd than the fighters they supposedly like. You right. Know, well, this fight specifically. He doesn't care. Yeah, because he doesn't care as long as you keep talking about him. Because the more people talk, just talk about him, the more chances that someone might start following him. You know, because that's the nature of human beings. If you see someone write something terrible at someone, you either agree with them or you disagree with them. And if you disagree with them, you usually become a fan of the guy that they're running down. Yeah. You know, so Floyd, Floyd just says, just keep my, put my name out. And, uh, you know, here's, here you see boxing. Uh, well, Canelo's now the big one, but because Canelo's got that hardcore uh, Mexican fan base that supports him. You know, but even they sort of disappeared for a while after he got beat by Mayweather. You know, it took him, what, uh, four years to now get back to. You can argue that he hasn't come back, though, because um, the, the Chavez Jr. fight. Like, that's another big draw. And a, a lot of people will say, well, Java Jr. is not a draw. That fight was a huge success. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not so much for the gate numbers, because, I don't know, Oscar priced those things to, just to sell out to look impressive. Right, But right. It, it was for, for pay-per-view. It's a, it was a huge fight, because that's it. It's the Mexican fan base. Yeah, they had the two fan bases. That's why they made the fight. Like, people are saying, oh, this is a joke fight. It's not a joke fight. It's, it, it, it's actually smart for Oscar, who's not prone to making smart decisions as a promoter, but he tapped into that. He had a big fight, made a lot of big money because now he's got to take a risky fight that if Canelo loses this fight, his draw drawing power is going to be hammered. You know, again, he's going to have to rebuild for years before they can start making the same money they could before. So it was smart to make that Chavez junior fight. And again, you've seen, you've looked at his HBO number. Chavez is huge on HBO. You know? He does. He's a, he's wildly successful, but almost, but, I don't think he's his numbers are that great compared. Well, they're great numbers for HBO, yeah. but yeah, like, yeah. is he crushing Chavez Jr. in his prime? No, not at all. And uh, just one note: the the Nunes Tate, which is the the biggest UFC live gate in Nevada history, and you said it wasn't even supposed to be that one, but it was. Um, that only sold a hundred thousand more at the gate than Canelo Chavez Jr. and <laughs> Uh, half a million dollars more, and Mayweather Berto would be the highest gate in MMA history. So, let's yeah, move exactly. on. <laughs> yeah. There's some other yeah. fights happening this week, and we're you know we're gonna go pretty long in this episode, but I think um, we do want to run down these other fights. Uh, so, um, I'll go over the 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 week fights. So tomorrow night we have Juan Carlos Payano versus Alexis Santiago on FS1. Um, this is a good fight between two Bantamweights. Payano's a lot better than his record suggests. I mean, he's only got one loss, but one win does come over Anselmo Moreno. He did beat Rashi Warren. 
And Payano is just a gritty fighter. He's, he's, he's a guy that's entertaining to watch. Santiago is going to throw down with him. It should be worth your time to watch this, um, assuming that Santiago could you know, last more than a few rounds. Friday night, we have Turiano Johnson versus Sergey Derevyanchenko. Um, this is a battle of, um, I guess we can call them the B-level middleweights. These are guys that are trying to get into that title picture and still a, a couple steps away from entering the Canelo, um, the Danny Jacobs, the Golovkin, the Jamal Charlo, like the top middleweight names. They're, they're, they're about two steps below that. The winner should graduate one step and the loser, you'll never get close again. And then the undercard features um, Hugo Centeno against Emmanuel Alim, who is one of the best prospects in boxing, if you have not checked him out. And it's a guy who's, he's one of those guys like nobody saw this coming. Nobody gave him any credit. He was just supposed to be another opponent and he keeps beating guys. So they're going to give him another guy that they think they have something in, in Hugo Centeno. And I'm very sure, I'm pretty sure Alim's going to beat him. So that's the, the fights over the week. And that was Friday night. Both are at 6 o'clock on FS1, Pacific time, of course. And then Saturday, we have on Fox, prior to the Mayweather-McGregor fight, we have Thomas Dulorme. He is going to be fighting Jordanis Ugas. This is a great fight. Um, I don't expect it to be um, like fan-friendly. It's not going to be a fight of the year contender. But it, it just features two really interesting fighters uh, at different points in their careers. And like... The, the winner is going to get a shot against one of the big PBC names for sure. You know, the, the, the Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, um, one of those guys and the loser, uh, you'll be fighting, um, some, you'll be fighting on undercards for the rest of your career. And, uh, the undercard features, um, Jose Miguel Borrego versus, um, Juan Heraldez, I believe his name is, I should have wrote it down. Um, but this is a good fight between two young up-and-comers. Um, Borrego's 19. This kid, uh, he if he wins impressively, he is going to be one to watch. He's a fun fighter. Um, he reminds me of a smaller David Benavides. If you've uh, seen David Benavides fight, just imagine a 140-pound version of him. And then, then we move on to the card. And now um, Fred will rejoin us. <laughs> well what you didn't want to talk about the issue smith's fight come on we're not going to touch on that we're going to touch well, on las um, vegas oh boy we are going to touch on andrew tabidi versus steve cunningham yeah that should be an interesting one eh? <laughs> andrew tabidi well, no, is a big punching cruiserweight but steve cunningham's that kind of guy like he if there's going to be someone at cruiserweight to kind of expose him who's not at you know a title holder it's it's cunningham cunningham is that guy at cruiserweight um kind of like the way tony thompson was at heavyweight for a while where if you were a young guy even if you beat him you were gonna look bad i mean kubrick pulev looked bad against tony thompson and pulev won every round so yeah go on no i was just saying like the beat is a young guy and like you see him he looks he looks pretty impressive but uh, steve cunningham you could say well steve cunningham's is He's old, but he is. He's one of those fighters that if, if anyone's going to screw up your your path on your career, it's going to be a guy like Cunningham because right now he's, he's got nothing to lose. And, you know, he might pull something out. You know, there's a lot of tricks an old guy can use. And sometimes these young fighters, uh, who is that? Uh, I shouldn't say this because I can't remember his name, but there was that one Russian guy or whatever that kept screwing up all those British prospects. You know, ever they go their step up fights, he'd come in and knock them out. I think he had two of them. 
derailed a bunch of their hype fighters. Uh, you know, that's man, it. There, there's some there's there's some guys. Yeah, they see kind of at me. Go, ah, I should hold. It should be good, but I, I don't know. It could be good. And if not, it'll you know it'll be Tabidi just beating up on a guy, which you know is never bad. So. <laughs> After that is Badu Jack versus um, Nathan Cleverly. I think this is going to be a good fight. Like, do not miss this fight. I think this has potential to be even a fight of the year contender. Cleverly's defenseless. Let's just put it that way. And Badu Jack is very gritty. Like, if you're down to fight, Jack is going to get in there and he's going to work. So combining these two, I think, is a great... Um, I mean, Cleverly Fonfara was a fantastic fight. Jack versus James DeGale, like, that was a fight. So naturally, you would think that this is going to be an entertaining fight. Now, as for the result, I'm pretty sure Badu Jack is going to take this. I mean, Jack has just come on like crazy over the past year, or actually two years, ever since grabbing that title from Anthony Durrell. And he's, he's getting better every single fight. And that's what you want to see. You know, a guy like Oscar Valdez, who I love, if you've ever, you know, listened, or if you've listened to our podcast for a long time, you know, I've always been high on him. He's not getting better. Fight yeah. to fight, he does not get better. Felix Verdejo, one of the top prospects, it, um, you know, during his early career, is now basically seen as an afterthought. He's still fighting on undercards because the the guy just doesn't get better. Yeah, There's he hit a no wall. Learning. Yeah, he hit a wall, and that just he just I don't know. He could still win fights, but he's just not progressing. Yeah, he's 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 a, a fighter with every trick in the book, like everything. You when you when you create a fighter, it would be Felix Verdejo, except someone forgot to put in like the IQ to do things like attack the body and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, with Badu Jack, uh, he really has been impressive. Like you know, he's he's come whatever, whatever like uh, training or game planning they're doing ever since you know he took that loss. It, it's he's really he's putting everything together. I think is there a belt on the line for this one? Uh, yeah, like a fringe WBA yeah, like, title. Yeah, one of those junior titles or something. No, it's a yeah, legit one. It's just not really legit because Andre Ward actually has the real title from the WBA, so it doesn't make any oh, sense. Oh, it's, okay. So is this one of their? Uh, it's the regular title. Oh, okay, it's the regular. Yeah, yeah. I can't even remember WBA keeps making so many titles, but yeah, no, it, I think it should be a good fight. You know, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I like Badu Jack. He's, he's come on. And, but this is a, also, because you're talking about the Delorme and the Fox card. Like, he's had a lot of issues with uh, the Mayweather promotions, you know, Delorme getting the fights. But you never know whether it's the fighter wanting to take fights or the fighter just wanting to make money. But you look at uh, if Delorme, like you said, Delorme, if he wins that fight, he's going to get a title shot. Like, Mayweather promotions have been actually very good at getting their guys in position to win titles. So it's up to the fighter to win those titles. But they got to win when they get their shots. Like uh, Ronald Gavril is getting a title shot, you know. And most people would never even have heard of the guy. I, but he's with Mayweather Promotions, and now he gets a title shot. Badu Jack, like they've really done a thing. Like it's – a boxer's got to sort of play along with promoters, even though they're, they're of course, on the financial side, they're at opposing, you know, sides. You know, every dollar that a boxer wants is a dollar in a promoter's pocket. But when they work together, you can get a game plan rolling. And I think they've done a very good job with Badu Jack. Like, cause he's just, he's on board with the training. He's on board with the promotion and he's, he's really come on well. Like Jack is one of those stories in boxing. That's just refreshing because so often you hear about fighters that 
for lack of a better word, they just don't like when they reach a, a problem, like in the case of um, Felix Verdejo, that's it. There's no turnaround. There's there's nothing. There's no progressing. And then they basically just fizzle out. I mean, if you think over the years, um, there's so many boxers that were HBO um, was promoting them or Showtime or whatever. And for whatever reason, they just disappear. Yeah. And it's because they just vanish. Yeah. And it's because they can't fix the things that are keeping them from progressing. And Badu Jack's one of those guys that's actually done it. Um, and to on, on a on a grand sort of, um, I guess a grand example of this would be Canelo. I think Canelo has improved every single fight, and oh, and he continues to adapt and add new things to his game. Um, I think if Canelo was the same guy that fought Floyd, he he would not be very good. Like the guy I'm who still fought, on, the guy I'm who still fought. on the fence to that that one. Like I, the, Canelo looks a lot better, but is is he just fighting guys that can make him look better? I'm not talking about appearance. Yeah. Well, what I'm saying, Canelo skilled. Like no, I I agree with you on some point, but remember that Lara fight? He looked kind of garbagey, and he's never went anywhere near another fighter like Lara. So who's like like, good against like Lara? Him. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no Seriously. one. Seriously. Okay. Not even TV ratings can beat Lara. So. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, and then in the co-main event is Gervonta Davis versus um, Francisco Fonseca. Fonseca's undefeated. Like, his record looks good and everything, but I can assure you that he's a domestic Costa Rican fighter. And every single time a promoter tries this, it does, like, it looks great on paper, but those guys never win. I mean, you, you look at a guy like um, uh, Masiello, the guy that Ray Beltran fought. He... <laughs> Belgium almost put him into a coma. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think this wasn't their first choice, but I think everyone that they were looking for was either asking for too much money or just didn't want to take a fight. Right. You Nobody. Know? So you, you gotta you gotta go through. And it's kind of a short notice too. You know, like this this Mayweather McGregor fight, even though they might have been working on it, you, you really can't start lining up fights for yeah. a guy like Gervonta Davis just on the you know with ten weeks to go. Yeah. I mean, Davis and, and, and Jack might have been in camp because they knew they were going to be on this card, but, like, opponents didn't know. And, you know, that's part, yeah. partly why Orlando Salido's not in this fight. Yeah, yeah like, he's not going to take wanted. a fight. Yeah, he's not going to take a fight in 10 weeks' notice just to get beat up on a on, uh, stage in front of 5 million <laughs> pay-per-view buys or whatever. You know? I know, he has to start cycling. <laughs> hey, come on. Uh, let's, and, and that's uh, this card. But there is another card that night, believe it or not. Who Who on earth would have thought to schedule against this fight. Well, that's actually not how it worked out. So Miguel Cotto I scheduled wondered. his return against Yoshihiro Kamigai for the vacant WBO Super Welterweight title. Um, but Mayweather McGregor came and said, we're going to do our fight on the same day. So um, Miguel yeah, Cotto versus Yoshihiro Kamigai. I, I, yeah, how do you see this going other than a, a Miguel Cotto knockout? <laughs> I got Kamigai all the way. Like it didn't, But wasn't this fight scheduled after? they announced uh, Mayweather-McGregor? Like, isn't this part of Oscar's attempt to give true fight fans some kind of counter-program? No, 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 this, I thought it was. The Kodo Kamigai fight came first. Oh, God. Why would they move it then? I guess there's not many options because once you get into Put it on the Canelo-Golovkin undercard? <laughs> yeah, why not? We had, <laughs> well, they got Diego De La Hoya. He's going to carry that whole undercard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, why? Why wouldn't they put it on the? Uh, maybe Cotto wanted too much money or something. But 
I, I think it's pure stubbornness. Like, oh, well, I mean, that I is guess like, it's easy would, for me to say, but... Yeah, but why wouldn't you boost up the... But then maybe it's a lot of ego. Just Kodo's like, I don't want to be on his undercard or something. We, yeah, we've heard enough about Kodo's antics. In, and I'm not trying to disparage Kodo in any way, but we just know that Kodo's a very proud guy and it's very unlikely that he would, you know, they offered up, hey, could you move the fight? And he said, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, that that's true. But yeah, it's, it's like, I don't know. It's whatever. I'm everywhere. Everyone pirates these fights anyway. So does the date really matter? And uh, do you have any uh, opinion on how it plays out? Uh, no. It's, it's, it's Miguel Cotto can't handle Kamigai, then he, he should retire before December, since he's <laughs> saying he's retiring in December. Well, if he says that he's retiring at the end of the year, he has, like, at most, and this is cutting it close, he has one more two fight. more fights. Uh, nah, he's not going to get two in. I'm counting this one. Oh, this one? Yeah, 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 this one. Yeah, he has one more fight after this, so. yeah. Uh, and and who would he fight in his like going away fight? Who's there left? Or they'll probably try to make Lemieux or something. Lemieux, I, no, 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 no. I think Lemieux's too dangerous. Yeah, but what does what does Oscar care? He wants to build up his fighter that isn't retiring. You know, because uh, Oscar's the one putting on these fights. So they'll, they'll probably try to sweet talk him into fight Lemieux and then trying to get Lemieux a bit of shine off a of beaten up Cotto or something. Oh, yeah. If he can, it'd be funny if Cotto beat him up. It's possible, but if, if Lemieux loses to Kodo, like... Kodo knows how to throw a jab, so it's, Lem- it's Lemieux's weak point. Yeah, but if Lemieux connects with a hook on Kodo, it's it's night-night. <laughs> Never. And, and and who said Lemieux's going to come down to 154? I don't know. Maybe maybe Kodo will go up. Maybe he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna move up and take a challenge in his last fight, you know. Maybe. Show his pride. Maybe Canelo will stop Golovkin early and they can do a rematch in December. Yeah, maybe. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. That could be one of those uh, TV fights he owes HBO that they've been piling up that haven't happened. So, Right. And then the the, the undercard is going to be um, Ray Vargas defending his newly won Super Bantamweight title against Ronnie Rios. Um, Vargas is trained by Nacho Berestein. He's kind of flown under the radar to this point. And... Um, this will be his first exposure on American TV, I believe. I'm pretty sure I'm right, unless you like watch Telemundo or Univision or something like that. Then you've probably seen him before. And uh, Vargas should win the fight. Rios is okay, but Vargas looks like he's going to legitimately be a title holder who keeps his title for a bit. So that's the fights this week. Um, and that's our podcast. Is there any final thoughts that you want to give? Uh I think this Mayweather-McGregor is the greatest fight that ever will be and ever has been. I love every aspect of it. People that are sitting around and bitch and can't wait for it to be over, don't worry, because once it's over, people will go back to not giving a shit about boxing and talking about it. You know, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't get this. You know, people sit there and piss and moan about how, you know, they all want to be the guy, the expert in their office or whatever to get people excited talking about boxing. Then when these big fights come along, they bitch about how they're 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 not real boxing. Well, I don't know. You'll get your chance, you know. After you know, sun come Sunday, no one's going to give a shit about you know boxing again. How how important is it for us on the sub to try to transition these new fans who, or well, they're not even fans, but the people coming in to um, kind of read about, talk about, discuss this fight? 
how important is it for us to move them onto the subject of Canelo Golovkin? Well, it, it's a better fight, I guess. Yeah, at least they're two boxers, even though one's a midget and fighting a bigger <laughs> guy. But it's trash. I think what see this is only my experience. Even though I'm a bit older, I see this problem. Whenever someone comes into a forum, not just you know the subreddit or anything, people say, "Oh, you got to watch this fight. You got to watch this fight." It's all a bunch of old fights. Like, who wants to see old fighters? Like, I I don't care about old fighters. You know, these old fights, I know this is the lifeblood of some fans, but watch current guys. Like, I never see people go, oh, here, watch this fight that just happened like a month ago. Like, something like 20, 30 years ago. Well, who gives a shit? You know, really, you can't make fans by saying, oh, well, it's like saying you have to read, like, here, here, go read like 8,000 books and then come back. No one wants to do homework, you know. You, you got people jump in. If you see new fans, just, just tell them, hey, this fight's upcoming. Like you see, oh, there's going to be a, another good fight. Don't sit there and, and shit on Mayweather McGregor because that's what brought them there. Because you're basically telling them the reason why they got interested in boxing is garbage. You know, and it, it's just that stupid, uh, I don't know, neck beard type of, <laughs> type of stance that, you know, well, here's the expert and you got to go through this and blah. Just embrace people. Say, so who cares? Half the boxing matches you see that people call legitimate are garbage anyway you know they're 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 one-sided affairs that people should spot but they think they're going to be good matches like i don't know maybe terence crawford fighting in dongo would you no no one what i'm saying is no one ever should have thought in dongo had a shot in that fight i i I couldn't understand that that preview that in dongo was going to give crawford some work he wasn't i think uh what effective aggression pulled that one right he said crawford is going to beat the piss out of him and that's what happened you know I mean, I knew Crawford was going to win. I just didn't think he would just go right after him the way he did. Yeah, you might have like, said, yeah. You thought, oh, okay, maybe maybe he'll let it go for three or four more rounds before he just brutalizes Because that's what guy. Crawford usually does. He, he kind of does his homework and then puts the plan into it into, into motion. But I think <laughs> Ndongo just got reckless from the start, and Crawford was like, well, allow me then. Well, I don't know. Now now Crawford, he can't pick up his Monte Carlo after hours, so he wanted to get it done and get to the shop. Okay. Um, well, we could talk about Andre Ward's top rank rumors, but I fear what might come out of your mouth if we did that. So oh, which, no, which one are those? Oh, no, I like that. Well, that's a good subject. You can just cut out like 20 minutes of the other garbage where I rambled and put in Andre Ward. People think he's going to sign the top rank? Um, I don't know that. Pe- well, yeah, I think so. I think what is his, his Rock Nation contract up or what? He has one more. I think he has one more fight on Rock Nation. His HBO contract is up for sure. Oh, so what they think he's going to go to ESPN? Yeah, because he, he made this quote about how saying, you know, if you look at what they're doing, top ranks doing on ESPN, you know, as a fighter, who wouldn't be impressed by this? Like, this is this is cool. Um, I think that was the, I'm pretty sure that's what he said, that HBO contract is up. He has one more fight on Rock Nation. Well, if anyone would sign with top rank to fight on ESPN with no opponents, it'd be Andre Ward. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's how he's run his career, you know, making jumps to places that don't know how to promote him. Well, he's made more money yeah. than Kovalev, so it's worked to some well, extent. He, yeah, he made a lot of money, but you see Rock Nation, are they are they shutting down their boxing program? They probably are, aren't they? Yeah. I don't know. I don't you you know, you don't typically hear much from two things in boxing, Al Heyman and Rock Nation. Yeah, but one of them's a promoter. And, and, you know, and one of them's intentional, and the other one is like, they they forget that they're promoting. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what was going on with that whole thing. And I don't know. 
Did, did you actually, did you hear the story that Al Heyman is, is um, actually coming out of music retirement? He's promoting the new, new edition tour. Oh, that makes sense. Cause he's still, uh, he's still, they still use him as a consultant. Like he's got a contract with live nation that he still consults for a lot of their uh, concerts. Cause he, he knows how to put together concerts. You know, that's, that's, he was, that's where he made all his money. That's where he made his name. Yeah. Well, so, uh, I haven't heard that rumor, but it makes sense. Cause he probably ran their uh, tour. When they were still active, so yeah, he's uh, so new edition, I guess a group from the eighties and nineties. Um, but yeah, yeah they they Bob brought Brown. they brought uh, Heyman out of retirement to promote their new tour that starts in uh, November of twenty seventeen. <laughs> he's the man, you know. Only only boxing people hate Al Heyman, you know, because they're fed those stories from Thomas Hauser or whatever. What do you now, have against Al Thomas Heyman's, Hauser? He's old and he's crazy and he makes stuff up. <laughs> Like what? Well, the, yeah, I don't know. That's that's gonna take forever to go into. Let's say he's he's got a very uh, skewed viewpoint, and he says some things that might not be true sometimes. But like what? I don't know. <laughs> well, what? what, what I, don't, I don't think people are gonna want to go through like a whole history of uh, Thomas Hauser because they'd probably be longer than his articles. But Jesus I don't know. He's Christ. he's, he's well, a respected. Well, here's my point, again, about boxing, my viewpoint, because that's the only one I can give. That Al Haven and those guys, they appeal to a certain segment of boxing fans, you know, like that long-form journalism that most people don't. You've seen how much attention people pay to articles, like almost none. Yeah, I get statistics of my own stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like a, it's very niche, these long, rambling pieces that you got to sift through. But there's a lot of guys and they usually skew towards older white males, like in their 60s and 70s, that like this because it reminds them of when they were young. It's it's nostalgia hunting. You know, they all want to feel young again. And, and that's what Hauser gives them. I, you know, other than that, the only people like him is when he's uh, dumping on someone, usually Al Hammond or Floyd Mayweather. You know, if he's dumping on a fighter, people like that. But as far as, I, I just don't see the appeal. You know, and I, I think that's where boxing's lost a lot of a step is that, so many writers just disparage the sport, you know, as if there's uh, some great way of doing it. Like, and they, they want to reference these things in the eighties and seventies, like when Don King was running things like boxing was better then. like, come on. It's, it's always been crooked. It's been crooked from day one. There's always been influences in boxing that have just tried to tilt things in their favor. You know, now it's no different. You know, it's, I don't know. Boxing's got to start having fun. That's what they got to do. Do that's, they that's do that in, in MMA? Uh, well, that's <laughs> they have a lot of fun, but they also like there's the trade away. When you promote fights and you don't look at bigger issues, you have fun, but you got to be kind of dumb too. But this is all the MMA kids want. They want to have fun. They they actually want someone to tell them that the fighters they're watching are impressive and good and that's what you get with mma media whereas you get with boxing media guys sit there and they grumble about fights that don't even make sense that are financially or they want to see fights that against fighters that aren't good like how many years do people say oh mayweather should fight margarito like what would have happened in that fight Floyd would have walked through him in like two rounds (laughs) margarito was slow he's he's like he's like a big giant steamship he can't turn you know mayweather would have killed him but still, they hold this over his head that, oh, you know, Floyd Duck Margarito. Like, come on. Don't forget about Paul Williams. Well, yeah, yeah Paul Williams. But, but yeah, Paul Williams, who got knocked out by a, a guy, a midget, who got inside his reach. You know? like, like I said, the, these fighters, it, I'll still not possible. sit here allow, and allow you to disparage the name of Sergio Martinez. 
Oh, not that guy. I was talking about the welterweight fight that uh, Williams lost. Oh, okay. But see, see, you even forgot that one. Eh? See, people, they're good fighters, but they're not just uh, no. enjoy it. Like, you know, like I said, this is this fight. Enjoy this fight. You know, a lot of people aren't going to Vegas to see these big fights. If you go to Vegas Are you during the fight. Are Quintana fight? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, 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 Quintana. He didn't get knocked out. He just got beat. Oh, well, he got his ass beat. But don't hold me up. I'm not looking at. The, I'm not looking at the internet to remember how these things went. He got his ass beat, though. <laughs> it's a midget. Okay, I'll give you that. I mean, he, but this he, is this is my final point on this whole thing. People have been fighting this Mayweather McGregor thing instead of going there, because like if you go during fight week and these big fight weeks, and there aren't that many of them, it's a whole week celebration. You know, it starts on Tuesday. They have Tuesday fights sometimes. Yeah, uh, not arrivals. this time. Yeah, yeah, they have the grand arrival, but then Tuesday night there's boxing. You know, Wednesday night's usually the media day. Wednesday, mm-hmm. all these old fighters blow into town. So if you're a fan of old fighters, they blow into town to do autograph signs. You can sit there. You can go to these big fights. You can talk to the fighters because they're very open. You can just yeah. walk up guys like, you know, I don't know if he'll be there, but he might be still Thomas Hearns. But you, you'll see a ton of guys. Yeah. You'll see a ton of boxers that you know, and you can go up and talk to them and be friendly. That's what these big fights bring in. And it's, it's something that's never covered while people are sitting there pissing and moaning about this isn't a real fight. It's going to bring in all these boxers that if you like boxing, you can go and you can sit there and you can meet and greet with these guys and they're not going to charge you 200 bucks to shake their hands, you know. Yeah. You just hang around. And that's the, that's people should embrace these big fights, you know, no matter the opponents because yep. it's hell. They're, they're a lot of fun. I mean, it's, it's just a spectacle to be there. Um, and there's boxing fans everywhere. It, it's just... It's, it's unique, you know? Yeah. I talk a lot about how good the... Like, it's just awesome to be at a fight at the StubHub Center. But it's not like Vegas where, you know, after you leave the parking lot of the StubHub Center, you go back to your regular LA and, you know, unless you go and, to a restaurant very close to the venue, you're not going to yeah. be able to talk about boxing <laughs> with anybody. But in Vegas, it's like, they're everywhere. Yeah, that's all That's all people talk about is boxing. You know, at the T-Mobile arena, there's restaurants all down the line when you walk back towards MGM and everyone will be full of boxing fans. And they're all there to cater to you. Every, every business in Las Vegas will be there to cater to you. And charge you you eight bucks for a cup of coffee. Uh, Yeah, of course, because that's how you make money. Just pretend you're playing video slots, kids, and get your free drinks. That's a lot of their, they're busting down on that though too, but yeah. (laughs) So, um, I'm going to enjoy this this week. There's a lot of great fights on, um, and that's not even counting the pay-per-view. I think the the FS1 cards are really good. I think the Golden Boy card is not bad. Like, yeah. That, that, that Vargas-Rios fight is really interesting, and yeah. I look forward to watching that on replay after I finish, get done watching the Mayweather-McGregor fight. And for me, it's just... Floyd is the best of our generation. Unequivocally, we can say that now, the way he beat Pacquiao, the best of our generation. And it's another opportunity to see him work. And whether you don't like Floyd, whether you disagree with how he acts outside of the ring or whatever, you're still seeing somebody who's a master at their craft work. And I'm always going to appreciate that. And, I, and, I, and you know, I talk with you about MMA, but I, I enjoy watching John Jones fight. I think he's a boring fighter. Yeah. I'm sorry if you're an MMA guy, like, but I think John Jones is boring. But I have such an appreciation for watching him because it's like, you know, what the... the um, the past fight that I watched with him, it was like, I can see him doing things. And I'm like, oh, wow, I don't usually see that when I watch other fights. Like the way when he kicked the guy in the leg, he didn't kick with the top part of his foot. He kicked with the bottom. Like he stomped yeah. on him. Yeah. 
and I don't, I mean, I don't know if that's good or bad, but I was like, I don't see that. And, and oh, I can tell he's guy. very, like, I'm, I can see it takes some skill to do that because he's doing it with his rear foot too. And I know in boxing, punching with the rear hand with something like that leaves you vulnerable, like an uppercut is usually a no-no. Yeah. Now, does that mean um, that it's, you know, tough or something? I don't know. But here's the thing. Yeah. Floyd's the best. He's not only the best fighter's generation. He's the best promoter of his generation. And you you'll rarely find that combination, so enjoy it because this is going to be the last one. And then you could, like I said, after this, you might get some shine from the Canelo Golovkin fight, but then everything else you're going to be back to the same. Only the guys in the forums are going to care. Like I, embrace boxing, embrace these big fights. They're they've always been spectacles, you know. Frazier Ali, everyone they only cared about Frank Sinatra in the audience. That's what these <laughs> fights are for. It's not like it was full of, like, what you think, like, working guys were paying whatever they were paying back then. Same prices, if not more expensive, like what you adjust for inflation. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's always been, it's always been the sport of, these big fights have always been the rich people's sports, you know. Everyone else just watches and bitches. And, and that's, that's why the, the live gate is, is so big. All right, we've gone, this is probably the longest podcast that we've ever done. So if Edit. you're still listening, I thank you for listening. And if, if you think we should go longer, let me know. I mean, I've always just kind of tried to keep it at one hour because I figure I don't think anybody has the, the tolerance to do more than an hour of boxing talk. Um, but I listen to podcasts that are regularly about three hours or so, non-boxing. And I don't mind it. So if, if this is something that people like to listen to, we can do it. I mean, we could talk about boxing all day long. I'm sure, you know, I can listen yeah. to boxing talk all day long. It's just that I don't find too many that are actually decent. So if uh, leave us a rating or review. If you if you like Fred, we can have him back. He, he is more likely to come back on if he gets positive feedback. And if not, then oh well. <laughs> I have nothing else to say. I only know Mayweather. That's about all I know. In the UFC. He's my era. He's my, he's my era. After that, it's, it's I don't know, a bunch of small guys I don't never heard of. So. <laughs> like like Lomachenko? <laughs> all right, well, I actually like Lomo. Yeah, you. okay. Well, edit. It's, it's already long enough. Edit out all the boring parts. Which uh, yeah, I'm not like editing nothing minutes. because it's, it takes way too long to edit out boring parts. <laughs> like I legitimately have to listen back and then take like, is this, is this good? Is this bad? No, no. Uh, so thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Hey!